We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Sixth Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Silvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Sixth Man Show. Today is July 11th, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Luke Silvia. Luke, what's going on, bro? I'm great. I'm great. I, I I'm I'm still moving in and back in Florida, getting in a rhythm, moving things in and out of the storage unit. But at the end of the day, you know, I I know that you know I'm I'm not too far from hopefully seeing Paolo play Caleb Houston. These guys have have given me a new life here in the dead of the summer. A new lease on life, right? Mm-hmm. The last time that we recorded, we hadn't seen any of these guys play in summer league. And we're going to have like a more, you know, kind of like drawn out conversation around Paolo and how he's looked so far, but he's looked great. I think it's safe to say that all of the panic beforehand was not warranted. We now Chalker. know that Paolo looks great. He's definitely NBA ready. He's played two games so far. There's going to be some debate upon whether he should even continue to play in the summer league at this point, but the kid looks great. He is ready to rock and roll for the league. Caleb Houston, the second-round pick, has looked good as well. We'll break down how some of the other guys on the team have looked so far. But it's just nice to just see what Paolo has done so far. And again, we're going to get more into the conversation with Paolo. But just to be able to like exhale, just like, like we made the right pick. We can continue to have that conversation. But right now, at least, it seems like we have. And as we try not to freak out about Summer League and kind of jump to conclusions from that, at least he doesn't look terrible. He's looked really good. Hasn't looked bad. And Do you know how, how frustrating? Uh, I am officially frustrated with people having to preface, and I hate that it's the case, preface every statement they make with, I know it's just Summer League. Or, you know, don't get me wrong, it's just Summer League. I hear that all the time, and now it's just like one of those things that like I, I, I look for or I listen for when someone's speaking. I hate that we have to say that all the time. Like everybody should understand that like we're not well, over they don't unfortunately. No, they don't and that's why you have to say it because otherwise so you're we like have wow. To preface it. Yeah, and it's stupid and it makes me mad. So anytime you guys hear me say that this episode just know 
I hate saying that phrase, but unfortunately, people will take it out of context, and who knows how they use that, you know, in long term. So, yeah. So there's some Orlando Magic news that came out this week. Before we get into some of the housekeeping kind of stuff, so Robin Lopez uh, officially agreed to a one-year deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So he's officially not coming back to the Magic. Once the news came out that we were, you know, signing Mo Bamba and, and bringing back Bull Bull and signing Gary Harris to the extension. The writing was basically on the wall that Robin Lopez would not be coming back, but signing with another team, it really makes that official. So Robin Lopez, just one year here in Orlando was mostly just kind of a locker room guy, you know, veteran presence to help bring the rookies along last year, but did a great job. Beloved guy in the locker room, wish Robin all the best in Cleveland. And now he can feud or hang out with their mascot you know, I know stuff is, is really broken up about Robin Lopez moving on. Mm. I know our guys over at Court Cousins, they're really busted up about Robin Lopez moving on. I don't know what they're going to do for their, like, Rolo, like, mental health check-in thing that they uh, typically do each week surrounding the Magic. But, yeah, Robin Lopez on to Cleveland, Luke. Yeah, I mean, one of the more fun kind of one-year guys in Orlando, you get one every now and then, right? But Robin Lopez, you love that he was near Disney, he got to, you know, he, he got to continue to interact with stuff uh, throughout the season. You know, shout out! I'll, I'll never forget, you know, him just sitting on the court when he was technically on the bench, sitting on the court, and you know, with his mask on and just sitting there. I mean, great guy. You'd look at him and you just, you just want to laugh. So, um, really, shout out to Rolo and everything that that he did in this last year. I'm sure he mentored guys we didn't even know that he was mentoring on the team. And really provided some insight. So who knows really how big the impact that he left was. But I'm sure it was great. And then really, I mean, we've kind of just furthered this conversation more each of the last couple of episodes as more information comes out. Uh, but Keith Smith on Twitter, uh, who works with Track, uh, reported yesterday that Mo Bob and Bull Bull, who both reportedly signed two-year deals with the Orlando Magic, uh, their second-year deal, uh, it's being reported that those are fully non-guaranteed. So when you look at Spot Track, you look at the contracts of Mo Bamba, Bull Bull, Gary Harris, each of the three guys that we brought back this offseason, uh, each of their second years are non-guaranteed. So I think Mo Bamba's deadline is going to be January 29th, and then Gary Harris and Bull Bull are June 30th. So if the team waives those guys beyond, like before those uh, deadlines, uh, then their second year is you know non-guaranteed and just comes off the books. So we look at Gary Harris, Mo Bamba, Bull Bull. That's basically like $25 million that the Magic after this season can just wipe off the books just like that with a snap of the finger if they want to. And then when you also look at Terrence Ross's expiring deal, you know the Magic are going to be close to like $35 million in cap space that they could potentially create on a whim you know, next offseason if the opportunity presents itself. So I said it. When all these things were happening, that it was an A-plus offseason for the front office and people kind of criticized and laughed at that, I don't think there's any way that you can argue with the way that these deals have been structured. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that, that our front office has has emphasized, right? They, they've said it, right? They want to maintain flex, cap flexibility. That's exactly what they're doing. They're doing what they set out to. I imagine they've got a, just a big board or spreadsheet that just has their long-term, you know, goals for the, you know, maybe this offseason we do this, this offseason. I just imagine they have this all laid out already. And you can just tell everything is obviously so intentional in the way that they do things step after step. It just seems like they're one step ahead of everybody. 
from you know the the draft process with Paolo Bancaro to second year being you know team option for all three guys that come back essentially for this team that will probably pay, play a, a significant role in this season and this season of growth for this roster. I think that uh, they they have crushed it, like you said. I, I side with you that if it's not you know an A, it's an A plus. I don't see anything like what else did you want these guys to do this offseason? They're not going to make a big splash. That really didn't make any sense anyway. Plus, you've got to gain the trust of those players that you can go after next offseason or the offseason after that. So I, uh, I'm, I'm looking looking forward to see what they've got up their sleeve. I know that they have something. It's impossible for them not to. They always seem like they do. So really hats off to them yet again doing what you know we didn't think would be done. And just to kind of go back, I know we've talked about this so much now, just kind of the secrecy that surrounded and the mystery that surrounded the number one pick. And I think it was, yeah, Tim McMahon and Brian Windhorst uh, on ESPN Plus, if you're subscribed to that, uh, they released an article um, a few days ago. What was that Thursday? So the day that our last episode came out, um, just kind of furthering up the story behind the number one pick and kind of what the magic did. So basically what the magic did is they were holding the Rockets feet to the fire to see if they were going to get the Rockets trade up to number one. Obviously that never materialized and they went ahead and they took their guy reading this article. You know, it just goes into, um, you know, some of the conversations that Jeff Weltman and John Hammond had, you know, like the days like leading up to, um, you know, the draft that mostly the group had made a decision to go with Paolo Bancaro. But uh, John Hammond said, if Jeff would have walked into the office with a different decision the next morning, he wouldn't have been shocked. So, this kind of lines up with everything that Jeff Weltman said kind of leading up to the draft. And since then that you don't make the decision until you are making the decision and the conversations are continuing to just, it's an ongoing process the entire time. So we're still hearing this. I'm, I'm listening some to some other podcasts, you know, that cover, you know, different teams. And as they're talking about Paolo Bancaro at kind of at the top of the draft, there's still this narrative that either the magic kind of just picked Paolo in a panic to try to get Houston to trade up, or uh, they weren't really sold on Paolo until like the last you know couple of days. And then no one really knows. Let's just leave it at, at what it is. You know, we, we continue to talk about how great of a job this front office has done in, you know, the, the off season and with just kind of keeping everything close to the vest in terms of the draft. That's all it was. They just don't tell anybody. They went about their process. They picked the guy that they want to pick. We can just kind of stop with all these other narratives that it was like this big, like misdirection and they were trying to fool everybody. No, they just didn't tell anybody what they were doing. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, that's all there is to it, Jonathan. I mean, that's, that's all there is at this point. Ain't much else to say about that, right? Nope. Mm-mm. let's just all can we just all move on because you're never we're never going to hear anything different than what has been reported the last couple of weeks here a pretty exciting thing luke we're actually partnering with our friends over at foco so if you're not familiar with foco um, they make all types of cool like nba memorabilia uh, you know like bobbleheads and different figures they're just come out with their cole anthony city edition bobblehead for this year and also their Franz Wagner Rookie Series bobbleheads. Uh, we're partnering with them. Uh, if you want to uh, get one of these or pre-order one of these, uh, they're not for sale yet. You do have to pre-order them. But if you're interested in checking those out, you can go to our Instagram and then in our bio in our link tree. It's one of the first links there, the Foco bobbleheads. You guys can go ahead and check that out. Um, if you do purchase a link from that, it is an affiliate of ours. We get a small percentage of each one of their sales. So that does help out the show a lot. And then if you guys have not heard yet, 
uh, Orlando Weekly. Each year they put together a best of Orlando ballot. Uh, you know, different performers and different acts. You know, different uh, facets around the entire different community. Different performers is right. Uh, yeah, they do have like the best only fans category, which, you know, we are not in that category, <laughs> thankfully, and uh, it will not be anytime soon. But yes, uh, best local podcast is one of the categories, and that's what we were nominated for. So if you guys can go to vote.orlandoweekly.com under the local notables category, you can vote the six man show for best local podcast. Again, that really helps out the show a ton, and we are excited about that, and we hope to win. So go ahead and throw us a vote. That would be very much appreciated. And then each week we shout out our patrons. So we have a Patreon channel. You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. It's where our listeners and fans of the show can partner with the podcast to help financially support the show to allow us to do the things that we like to do. Help us you know, upgrade equipment, help us do awesome giveaways, which the more patrons we get, the cooler types of giveaways we're able to do. Like for the NBA draft lottery party, we gave away a signed Franz Wagner jersey. Would love to give away something that Paolo Bancaro signs. So maybe if we get some more patrons, uh, you know, raise the the funds behind the scenes here, maybe we can give away some Paolo Bancaro stuff. That would be really exciting. Uh, but again, if you're interested in helping support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. We have three tiers that you can choose from, uh, a size for every budget and different benefits that you might want to take part of. Uh, but we also shout out all of our brand new patrons on each episode, and we shout out our Hall of Fame tier patrons on every episode. And that's what we're going to do right now, Luke. Shout out Court Cousins, Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Magic Player History, Wiffle, Ryan Singh, The Distract, Pierre A, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Lil Penny, Drum, Danimal, Dutto15, Bobby Skinner, Nate Dodley, Gotti93. You guys are the real MVPs. Thank you so much for your support. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Luke, let's talk about Paolo Bancaro. I'd love to. So, again, let, I'd love to. I can't stop talking about the guy. Mm-hmm. Can't stop watching the highlights, watching these summer league games. It's been a ton of fun. There was a narrative, you know, the last week about whether or not the Magic, you know, screwed up this pick. It wasn't by us. It was by <laughs> some other members in the media, some other Magic <laughs> fans. Um, and now, just to be fair, it's kind of the, 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 the national narrative. Every podcast that you listen to now it's about how the magic or you know the magic fans are worried that they screwed up the pick which is not the case for the most part just kind of depends who you ask in that department but we finally got to see Paolo Bancaro make his debut on Thursday against the Houston Rockets 
Number one versus number three, Paolo Bancaro versus Jabari Smith Jr. out of Auburn, who, like everyone knows, was rumored to be the number one pick by the Magic for quite some time leading up to the draft. But we finally got to put all of the rumors, the anxiety, the anticipation, all of that to rest with Paolo's debut, and he looked incredible. Game one, uh, Paolo finishes with 17 points, four rebounds, six assists, one steal, two turnovers, six fouls, a block, uh, five of 12 from the floor, two of three from the three-point line, five of five from the free throw line. Looked incredible, both sides of the floor. Defense, we can talk about this. There's still some some things to be desired there, but made a great play on Jabari Smith Jr., a chase down block at the rim, um, and, and gave Jabari you know problems off the dribble. We know that's a weakness of Jabari, but Paolo did a great job standing in front of him, Luke. What stood out to you from game one of Paolo Bancaro? I think his it was so many things, right? I mean, this is someone who I really didn't know. I knew he was, you know, going to be a, a great player. We've said this leading up to the draft, right? We said, you know, any of these top three guys are going to, you know, wouldn't shock us if they were all star level. I didn't the where I wasn't necessarily convinced on any of these three guys was are they going to could they single handedly change the franchise? Now I'm not saying that that Paolo in this game, you know, convinced me that he is the next LeBron James by <laughs> any means. But the the thing that stood out is the thing that I already knew about him, but it just further got confirmed for me. This just like the the physicality and just seeing Paolo compared to all of those guys on the court for Houston, seeing Paolo run a small ball five, like he he's able to do it. He's able to do it all especially in summer league where he is just kind of head and shoulders above basically everybody on the court. But just the way that he seemed to just stick out among everybody, not only in that way, just in his play style as well, right? Like, you know, you can look and you watch just a couple possessions. And you're like, oh, I, I can already, I already know who the alpha on the floor is. It's Paolo. And Paolo's the best player on the court too. Let's not get that twisted either. He absolutely was the best player on the court. Um, I, I think that it was just a mix of things for me. To be honest, he he goes to the free throw line, gets there five times, uh, which I would be fine if he could get to the free throw line five times a game uh, or shoot five free throws rather. But it just incredible. And and there was some times defensively, Jonathan, where I, I was like, oh, he, he kind of got blown by there, but he's able to recover and make the, you know, make the block at the rim. Or maybe sometimes he, like he, he got blown by a couple of times and, and the help defender might have saved him. Sometimes it would lead to an easy layup. I don't know. There was a lot to take from this game. So it's really hard for me to just pinpoint like what stuck out to me individually. So I want to ask you, what's, what was kind of your highlight from Paolo's game? The highlight was just the ability to show flashes in every aspect of the game. Like 6'10", 250, obviously the guy has the tools to be a good rebounder, right? We saw like the passing ability. You know, he had um, a no-look pass to Caleb Houston in the corner for an open three. Um, in the second half, Devin Kennedy um, like kind of came off of like a, a curl and cut to the rim and, and Paolo found him there for a wide open layup. Uh, you know, we saw the on ball stuff like look pretty good on Jabari. Now it was you know, one versus three. So he has kind of that added motivation there. But like you said, Jabari did blow by him a couple of times, but specifically, like we mentioned, had the chase down block at the rim. It was just his willingness and ability to compete on that end where yeah. people were talking about in the pre-draft process, like he was going to be some kind of like just, you know, like leaky ship 
trying to you know tread water defensively and that wasn't really the case you know the the questions pre-draft was oh what is he going to be if he doesn't match his you know offensive ceiling because he can't defend and I, I don't think that's the case. I don't know if it was you know the scheme like we've talked about at Duke or yeah. if he was just bored there, not always totally engaged on that end. But so far through two summer league games, he's looked, yeah, he's had his lapses in, in reads and uh, maybe lacking attention to detail on that end. But he's looked every bit of having the effort and, and the ability to be a solid defender. We saw the step back three that he hit in Jabari Smith's face, who's a disgusting. great defender. To open the game, we saw the you know the the spot up three pointer that he hit nothing but net. So it just like he showed us, he has the ability to do everything. Like uh, you said, was getting yeah. to the rim, was getting to the free throw line. Yeah, I don't think you can't ask anything more from this kid from from a debut. Like, is yeah. he going to be a all world defender? Is he going to be a rim protector? Probably not. Mm-mm. But he showed that he's going to be able to carry his own weight on that end. Yeah, and he's I not going to. That's really big. He's not a guy that's going to get played off the court defensively come playoff time at any point. And Jonathan, what are the things that that you and I talked about in regard to Paolo and to kind of our concerns? Right, the the two, you know, the the big thing was is he going to be able to shoot the three ball? The confidence is there. We know that he shoots two of three. His first bucket in summer league was a was a three pointer, albeit practically wide open, but he still hit it. That's your. Those are nerves that play into that first shot that you shoot in summer league at any in an NBA uniform in general. So at that point, you know he shoots two of three from three. I don't need him shooting more than three threes a game. To be honest with you, at least not this early in the career. The other thing was defensively, like we've already talked about. He's kind of squashed that narrative already. Yes, there are some concerns, but like I said, he's not getting played off the court in the postseason. I don't think just because of his. I was ability. never concerned about the defense. You weren't. You you were. I never was. I was. I, I I just I was. But seeing what we saw against Houston, again, guys, not. I know it's summer league, but this <laughs> this guy just continued to impress me in that game against Houston. I I'm I couldn't. I I walked away from that game and I was like, man, I cannot get like my. I cannot get too high with this guy right now. But I wanted to so badly, and I think I probably have a little bit, um, admittedly. But it's hard not to. Use the other thing that impressed me about Paolo, and I could talk about the game forever, and we'll move on to the Kings game here in a second, I'm sure. But um, the thing that impressed me was just like his not only like his effort on defense, but his willingness to try risky things. You know how risky it is, Jonathan, as the number one pick to go and say against a defender like Jabari to think. I'm going to do this move and it's going to end up into it. And it's going to take me into a step back three pointer from the, and all eyes are on me. Like that's a risky move to take. Cause if you do something like, you know, in a step back scenario, easily you're able to airball that shot. Like you're not getting, you're not getting enough power from your legs, whatever it might be not an issue. Just like his, his willingness to try something like that was something that stood out to me. Also like his turnaround jumpers, when he's got them kind of on the baseline, he's got his defender on the baseline and he tried that so many times. And I'm hoping that's a shot he continues to work on after summer league because it is short sometimes. But like I said, ultimately willingness to do that and try new things and the spotlight like that was super encouraging to me and really spoke volumes about who Paolo is. Well, another thing that was really exciting is, you know, uh, before the game, like leading up to the game, he's talking about, you know, when the, the, the stands are, are filled and the, the lights are on and the cameras are on me, he's like, that's what I thrive for. Like, mm-hmm. That's what's the most fun to me. And you, know, you and I talked about this like, you know, after the draft is like, 
in order to, to get to this level, like you do have to have a little bit of that ego. And he does have a little bit of that ego, a little bit of that swagger. We saw like the, you know, the ability to be the alpha, especially late yeah. in the Sacramento game, you know, just going up to midcourt and being like, RJ, give me the ball. Right. Like we, we saw that a couple of times. So that was super encouraging. After the first game he, in his post-game conference or post-game interview, he's saying, you know, that was a must-win game for me. Mm-hmm. And for you to say that in your first summer league game where a lot of guys you know, aren't really worried about the result, that just shows me in every aspect, wherever this kid is in life, when he's on the floor, the ball's in his hands, he's playing to win. It doesn't matter if it's summer league, doesn't matter if it's pickup, game seven of the NBA finals, that just shows kind of his competitive nature. And another thing that was really exciting to me is as good as he looked, some of the things that we're talking about, there's still plenty of area like for improvement, plenty of room for him to improve especially defensively. You know, we'll talk about the Kings game, but the turnovers that he had in that game, he knows that he can clean that up. Uh, you know, he, he realized in the Kings game that the jumper was not falling. So he only shot one three in that yeah. game and shot 15 free throws. So <laughs> realized the jumper was not falling. So I need to lower my head and I need to get to the rim, finish, create contact, whatever I need to do to keep this game going, to keep this team going. So let's talk a little bit about the Kings game, which uh, we'll we'll talk about the games kind of in their totality. But what was just like a really like just crazy, insane game, really just like the last, you know, four minutes of that game in regulation and then the double overtime. But like the, the team really was having issues functioning actually in both games if the ball was not in Paolo's hands. So we've seen kind of this experiment with RJ Hampton, the third year player, bringing the ball up and trying to initiate the offense a lot of times for this Magic Summer League team, and it's not always fruitful if I'm putting it lightly. The team is absolutely functioning best, especially offensively, when Paolo really is the focal point of the offense, getting other guys involved, getting to his spots, guys are cutting, guys are getting wide open, and then Paolo is finding those guys. But we saw in that game, I think he had eight turnovers against the Kings, which he talked about. He said, you know, that'll never happen again is is basically what he's saying. But a lot of that to me, I I think we talked about this was just kind of a, 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 you know, a a symptom of him trying to do too much or, or a byproduct of him trying to do too much, getting collapsed on, then trying to make the pass, maybe a little bit late ball getting tipped. Kings are going the other way with it. But again, like Paolo, the magic don't win either of these games without Paolo. And the first two games, he's clearly been the best player on the floor. Yeah, and the thing that's encouraging for me, Jonathan, kind of comparing the Orlando game to the Sacramento game, really going into the Sacramento game, I was hoping, I I hope that he doesn't have six fouls again like he did against Houston because that's a direct correlation to him getting blown by, right? That's your that's a, a pretty strong correlation. If you get blown by, and if you know this, if you play pickup ball or if you've played any type of organized basketball, guy blows by you, you probably pick up a frustration foul or you know he's going to get to the bucket so you foul him uh, so that you know it doesn't get to that point and you foul him on the floor. Paolo absolutely fell victim to that in the game against Houston, admittedly. But against the Kings, he didn't do that, right? I mean, you look at it against the Kings, he ends with just three fouls. Um, but kind of, that was so that was one thing I was looking for in the comparison of the games. I was just hoping... Please, like Paolo, I, I hope that you know you don't foul as much because that probably means you played pretty good defensively, and we saw that to be the case. Jonathan, four steals and two blocks. Game before that, he had one steal and zero blocks. So there absolutely is that correlation for him. 
I, I was happy to see it. I was relieved to see it, um, that he was able to you know play defensively, play well, all those sort of things. And the reason that I wasn't panicking at all about his eight turnovers in that game obviously isn't great, and he talked about that like you said. He ends that game against the Kings, six, six assists, eight turnovers. But against Houston, six assists, two turnovers. So we know he's capable. We know, and that was a game that he was largely getting guarded by Jabari, these teams in summer league are throwing double teams at Palo as well. This is not a normal rookie experience in summer league either. So I have I have no red flags really about Palo and thinking that like he could ever get played off the court in any scenario and whatever it might be, whether it be committing too many turnovers or defensively. He never you know did a bad thing two games in a row, like even only through two games. Like there wasn't one thing that I was like, man, there's you know, uh, things maybe that you can nitpick about here and there, but he's a rookie. He's going to learn. I was very encouraged by this game against Sacramento free throw line. Was it 15 times that he gets to the free throw line? So, yeah. and he went 11 of 15, 73%. You'd hope that he could go like 12 of 15, 13 of 15, but nonetheless, getting to the free throw line 15 times, five times that first game. So you're averaging 10 through two games. We'll take that. Yeah. It was weird, like he wasn't credited with the block on Jabari in the first game. I just noticed that as you went through and kind of read the stat line, I'm mm-hmm. looking at the box score from that game, that he didn't get credited with the block. It was absolutely a block. Pinned it against the backboard and the Magic are going the other way. But yeah, yeah, like you mentioned, two blocks against Sacramento. One was literally the game-saving block in double overtime. If he doesn't get that block, the game ends right there. So just like... And played great defense on Keegan Murray, especially in the first half. You know, Keegan Murray has been lighting teams up so far in summer league, you know, in, in Utah and then now in Vegas. Um, but especially in the first half, did a really great job just like playing deny like he did at, at Duke with the right. Blue Devils. Just trying to not let Keegan Murray get the ball. That's really the most effective way to stop a guy from scoring. If he doesn't get the ball, he can't score. So against Jabari Smith, against Keegan Murray, you know, two of the top four picks. He's definitely had the edge in both of those games so far and really held his own defensively. Had a couple of instances, you know, against the Kings on Saturday where, you know, Keegan Murray was trying to break him down off the dribble, you know, and he's he's poking the ball away. So yeah. and, and super just encouraging to, to, to see add that. there for Keegan Murray, played a great game. I'm not gonna take anything away from Keegan Murray. He essentially when it came said and done, he kind of got his feet underneath them as the game went on, shot four of eight from three. Um, so obviously 50%, 5 of 11 from the field, had nine rebounds. But what I will say is that with Palo on him, largely, uh, Keegan Murray had just two assists uh, and five turnovers. So anytime that you can make your guy commit that, you know, th- essentially three more turnovers than the assists they had, and it's still kind of a low number, especially in the only have two assists, I think it's a, a win for Palo, like you said, I think he outplayed Keegan Murray, but by no means did Keegan Murray have a bad game. But compared to what we were seeing from Keegan Murray, that was you know not nearly as good of a game as he's been having. And I credit a lot of that to Palo. Yeah, we also saw uh, the 360 dunk from Paolo on the on the break, which was really fun. Uh, he also had this sick like mid post. He's like posting up, yeah. uh, you know, the the Kings, and then mm-hmm. it has this just one arm laser to Caleb yeah, in the from corner, like the right which, elbow extend like free throw yeah, line extended. And I tweeted, I said like this is not normal for anyone, let alone let alone a rookie. 
And I have Thunder fans in our mentions <laughs> like, what do you mean Josh Giddy did this every game last year? It's like, that's still, it's not a normal thing for people to be able to do that. No one's saying Josh Giddy isn't like a very special playmaker and passer. Everybody relax. I'm just saying like most NBA players cannot make that pass, especially most NBA rookies cannot make that pass. A lot of people were saying it was LeBron-esque. I'm mm. not here to argue that. I'm not saying Powell's LeBron, but they're not totally wrong. We have seen LeBron make that pass again and again and again. Yeah. But just the I think and we're not the first like we're not, you know, breaking any type of new ground here, but I think Paolo is even better of a passer than I anticipated. Yeah. I knew that especially in transition he he had some special qualities to him, but really we're seeing this like in the half court just like seeing like the vision and seeing guys cut seeing the pass and making the pass are two very different things there are guys yeah. that can see a pass and try to make the pass and they can't and paulo can do both which is just and, really great and i do think that a lot of the reason that he had eight turnovers against sacramento is because he was trying even harder to facilitate i think and he was making some passes that were like good idea paulo but probably not going to work. <laughs> and um but what I will say going back to his pass from like free throw line extended on that uh essentially the left elbow I guess. Um when you know he had him in the corner that the special thing about that pass Jonathan wasn't necessarily that he saw it and made the pass. The special part about it was that the velocity that that pass came out being one-handed just absurd. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a two handed pass that he telegraphed. This came out on, like he just saw it and whipped it. This thing, this ball was going so freaking fast. And the, so I, that was the impressive part to me. Not necessarily like in general, the pass and to see that, but the, the way that he made that pass, how quickly it got to there, right in the pocket too of where he needed it. Incredible. Uh, it was, it was an incredible pass. And, you know, you, you saw obviously that. You tweeted out that video. It got tons of engagement from people that were verified accounts, whoever it was, people acknowledging like this was an incredible pass by Paolo Bancaro. Well, Emmanuel Terry, who had the the game winning layup in double overtime mm -hmm. after the game, you know, they're talking about the assist from Paolo, and he's like, that he he throws it hard, so <laughs> yeah. your hands have to be ready. Well, he mishandled so, a couple of them against the Rockets, so I understand yeah, why he's yeah, saying that, yeah. too. could have had, you know, like you you had tweeted from the account, he could have had maybe eight or ten assists, you know, people could just kind of catch yeah. the pass. And I get it. It's so, a, it's a, he's incredible. Uh, maybe he caught, obviously, caught his teammates off guard with how well that he can pass the ball and his vision and the, the speed at which these passes get to them. You know, they, they blink and the ball is just like right at their hands. You got to catch it. It's been really fun to see him play, and it looked like after the game he's like limping a little bit. So we're not sure if we're like if he doesn't play another summer league game, we're like okay, we get it. Like he's he's gonna be great. Probably don't need to see him in the summer league again. But the next matchup is would be Paolo versus Chet. Yeah, you know, to, on Monday when you guys are listening to this podcast, and I think everybody wants to see that. Like obviously ESPN wants to see that yes. number one versus number two. I'm sure they've already contacted the Magic. Like, hey, we really need Paolo to play in this game. <laughs> Same thing, OKC with Chet. Like, that's that's the matchup that everybody wants to see at this point. Like, Jabari Smith Jr. hasn't really set the league on fire his first couple of summer league games here. Um, I, I think I, I want to see him in this last game against Chet and then just shut him down for the rest yeah, of summer league. I'm, I'm cool good with that. How do that. you feel about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, I would love to see him play, but I think that's very selfish of me. I think that yeah. he he could 
probably we've it, suffered it, long enough. We can it, get one more summer league game, I think. Right. Well, my thing is, even if you hold him out against Chet, like play him the next game. I know that like that might be bad optics, or people are like, "Oh, he's dodging Chet." First of all, you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. Second of all, I just think that, that he could use. It. I mean, he was he was limping, and someone was like, "Well, I think it's the." You know, it's the left, his shoe's not on all the way. And I was like, no, they, they clearly said that, like, you, Paolo asked for a trainer. So there's something going on there. If if they think that it's best for him to sit out, is what it is. End of the day, it's summer league. I just selfishly want to see Paolo play basketball at least one more time before I have to freaking wait till preseason. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about the, the Houston, you know, game just kind of in its, in its totality because, uh, Paolo wasn't the only exciting part of that game. The Magic's other uh, pick that they took, you know, 32 in the second round, Caleb Houston. In this game, 20 points, 7 of 12 from the floor, 5 of 9 from 3. Also added 6 rebounds and just kind of, I don't want to say looked like Franz, but just in the same quality that Franz has of like always being in the right position, making the right play, not being caught in spots that he's not supposed to, making like really well like timed cuts we saw some of those same qualities from Caleb Houston and obviously we know what this front office looks like or or looks for so when I saw that I was like okay this absolutely makes sense I felt like the beginning of that game even though he I mean really shot the ball super well in the second half but it was like okay this guy is going to look good here but he's going to look much better in a more structured system where he has a defined role and is playing with better players but the shooting ability was on display. Like I said, shot five of nine from the floor. So Paolo and Caleb Houston, the two rookies, are really the big spots or the, the, the bright spots for the Magic in this first game against the Houston Rockets. Uh, for the Houston Rockets, it was it was really just mostly Josh Christopher. 22 points in 25 minutes, 7 of 18 from the floor. Uh, you know, Tari Eason, Jabari Smith Jr., two of their rookies. You know, I mean, Tari Eason, 14 points, 13 boards. Jabari Smith really struggled, you know, 10 points, 4 of 10 from the floor, 1 of 4 from the three-point line, which is really supposed to be his specialty. Added seven rebounds, but definitely didn't wow you. And, and people are saying, well, well, you know, next to a guard like Josh Christopher, who, you know, got 18 attempts up, really just looking, you know, for his, isn't really the best way to accentuate Jabari's strengths. Well, he's going to be playing next to Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green in Houston. So... Is that going to change totally? I don't know. Maybe Jabari just needs to kind of find that shooting rhythm and we'll get some more open looks uh, once the NBA regular season starts. But this game was just largely controlled by the Magic for the entire time. Uh, the game really never felt like it was in question for the Magic. Finished the fourth quarter 20-12, to 12, win 91-77. to 77. The Sacramento Kings game was definitely a lot more exciting. Yeah. This game was really exciting just because of the reasons that Paolo and Caleb looked incredible. Yeah, I mean, I did not care about the result going into either of these games. Now, that changed for me during the Sacramento game when you blow the lead that you do, which we'll talk about. But kind of focusing on the Houston game, Caleb Houston plays great, plays really well. And Again, another thing that I don't like to preface, but I have to say it. I'm not saying Caleb Houston is Stephen Curry, so please don't do not do that to me. But what I will say is that the way that he... I would like to see if, like, no, if Caleb Houston 
has watched a lot of, of Steph Curry. Obviously, if he is a basketball fan, he knows Steph Curry. He probably admires Steph Curry's ability to hit the three ball. But one thing that is overlooked by maybe the casual NBA fan is just Stephen Curry's ability to play off ball. Guys always moving, always making the right cuts, always ready for the pass. Caleb Houston reminded me a lot of that during that game against Houston. I think that uh, he he showcased that very well early and often. Um, goes on to just uh, hit three after three. I think what's incredible to me about Caleb Houston about I feel like he catches his release is pretty high. So if the ball is is like right above his chest, he's just going right up with it, right? It's the epitome of just the uh, a quick catch and shoot. Caleb Houston really impressed me um, in that game against the Rockets. I mean, also his rebounding ability. Six rebounds in both of those games against the Rockets and Sacramento. I was really impressed by him. Devin Kennedy shot the crap out of the ball um, and was able to do his thing. What did he, what did he end with here? He ended up with uh, 15 points and... Three of eight from three. I think his threes mainly came early in that game. But I was impressed by Devin early in that first half. His ability to you know hit the three ball. That's kind of what he brings to the table. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was a it was a fun game. Did you start to kind of look at kind of your Caleb Houston Devin Kennedy comparisons there throughout the game, Jonathan? Once Caleb got I'm going, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. We'll have that conversation again once summer league is like just kind of like totally ended. I don't want to overreact to like one game or of course. You know, because like Caleb definitely looked better really in, in both of these games. I mean, I think the Sacramento game, Devin shot like one of seven yeah. from the three point line, two of eight from the floor. Caleb was three of 10, you know, but adds like the six assists there and just has you know more size. He's six, eight, six rebounds. Devin, who I think is six, two or six, three. So, um, and probably can defend a little bit better at this point. I think just gives you more off the ball than Devin does but you know Devin is the older guy more mature has more experience uh hasn't really played consistently in a long time especially with the injury that he dealt with so I'm hoping we see Devin a few more games here and yeah it's going to be interesting to see what the Magic do because right now I can see them making a case for either one of those guys I do think that just overall Caleb probably gives you a little bit more just outside of the shooting. I might be leaning that way. And also, you know, he's relatively young and yep. you, know, you just invested a draft pick in him. And yep. I don't know, either either one of those guys is going to end up in Lakeland and, and still kind of be involved in the Magic organization. And I'm sure we'll see them at various points this season. But I'm, I'm really trying to hold off. I was thinking about that before we started recording today, whether or not I wanted to have that conversation yet. I'm like... It feels a little bit early to make like a real decision one way or the other. How yeah, about you? I do think that it, it is too early, obviously. But at the same time, Caleb showed me more than I thought. And I already was oh, thinking yeah. that Caleb and Devin would be kind of a comparison like I brought up in that last episode. But now even more so, it just got me thinking about it more. And I was like, Caleb's younger. I just feel like he brings more to the table. I don't know that. I mean, you said it before. I think you correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like last episode, and which wasn't incorrect at least at the time, Devin is better than Caleb in terms of like a basketball player at this point. But I, I think it's way closer, and I said that like I just think it's yeah. closer than that. I think Caleb could have an edge up on him again, summer league, yada yada yada. But I think that there was things that Caleb showed flashes of that he's he's young man, he's young, and I think that he can continue obviously to develop and 
really prove that he's worth a roster spot on this team. If not this year, then absolutely next year. And I might be wrong here, but I don't think that uh, Caleb has committed a foul in either of these first two games. So like the eye test is one thing, but especially once we start to have the conversation around what do the magic value, they value size, they value defensive versatility, they value basketball IQ. At some point they have to value shooting. I think, you know, Caleb and, and Devin each give you that to a certain extent. If I had to lean one way or the other right now, it's just been one game where he shot really well and another game where he didn't shoot quite as well. So I'd probably still give that edge to Devin in terms of who I think is the better shooter right now. But when you start factoring in those other components, who's going to be the better defender? Who might have a higher basketball IQ? Who has more size? Yeah, That's when the conversation starts to go back to Caleb. And if the Magic are like, oh, this kid is you know, whatever he is, 19 years old, what is what kind of shooter is he going to be like at 24 years old? I could see them buying into, like, let's just get Caleb on the main roster, kind of get our arms around him. We'll have eyes on him this entire year. He'll be with the Orlando Magic staff here. I, I get the convert, like, I get the argument for either one of those guys to be signed to the roster. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that was really my next point. I was going to kind of go into Caleb Houston, but we've we've kind of already done that now. But, um, yeah, again, 20 points in the first game right now. He's averaging 14.6 rebounds, 45% from the floor, 43% from the three-point line, 80% from the free throw line in 29 minutes in each of the first two games. He's looked great. Let's talk a little bit about the, the Sacramento game. So, um, you know, pretty close first three quarters. Magic go out, you know, get a, a pretty sizable lead going into the fourth quarter. 11-point lead to start the fourth. Had an 18-point lead in this game with five minutes to go. And I am I was driving to my high school reunion last night, Saturday night, watching this game. And and Mark Jones says something with a couple minutes left. Like, oh, you know, plenty of time left in this game. I was like, what? What are you talking about? Plenty of time left. <laughs> Like, this game is over. But I forgot that it was Summer League. <laughs> and in Summer League, literally anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So, again, going back to the 5-minute 26 mark, it was 82-64. to 64, And then they go on a 23-5 to 5 run to end the game. The Magic are up 6 points with 31 seconds left. They make a layup. The Magic come back down. Aleem Ford gets fouled, makes two free throws. So, again, six-point game with seven seconds left. Keita hits a three. Paolo inbounds the ball. He got credited with the turnover. If I'm arguing, I'm saying the ball hit RJ Hampton right in both of the two hands that God gave him, and he just lost it. The Kings recover it. They throw it out to Keegan Murray, who hits a three from the left wing at the buzzer to force overtime. We go into overtime, so... Summer League overtime, it's just two minutes, you know, just like your normal NBA regulation, but usually that's five minutes, but it's just two minutes, and then whoever wins at the end of the two minutes wins the game. Well, the Magic are tied at the end of this. So again, the the Kings tie the game, 102 left in the game, 89 apiece. Keon Ellis hits a three. Then with six seconds left, Devin Kennedy gets fouled, makes all three free throws, big free throws. Game ends up going into double overtime. Now, double overtime in Summer League, Luke, which I forgot all about this, mm-hmm. it goes to sudden death. Yeah. So whoever scores first wins the game. So Paolo turns the ball over at the beginning of overtime. Kings call a timeout. They run a play that ends up with a lob to Keita. 
Paolo comes from behind, recovers. It's not his man, just kind of coming from the weak side. Makes the block on Kata to save the game. They called it a foul initially, but they go to the review, which took forever. I rewatched it last night when I got home. They said that it was not a foul. It was a block. Orlando's ball. Paolo goes down the other end, tries to get to kind of his spot to get a shot up, gets doubled, loses the ball, recovers it, throws it to Emmanuel Terry, who makes the layup, wins the game. And yeah, one of the craziest summer league games you will ever see, one of the craziest finishes. I'm sitting there waiting to go into my reunion. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're already late. This game's just about to be over. You're up six with seven seconds left. And then I'm like, game's going to overtime. I'm like, Luke, you got to do the post game. I got to head into my reunion. I'm not going to be able to make this video. You said it was one of the best summer league games of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just ridiculous. Like you said, anything happens in summer league. And they gave you some gems too, right? They gave us Palo mic'd up, just barking at everybody, which I absolutely loved because you see Palo talk and it's like, is he the most vocal guy on the court? I don't know. But after hearing his mic'd up and everything against Sacramento, he's got no problem being vocal. You could hear him in the Houston game, you know, defensively, just yelling, communicating. A really good communicator on the court. Gave us that gem. And then we got the gem that was Kata from the Kings. He hits that three. I believe he hits that first three um, before Keegan hits it to send it to overtime. He hits it. But then they go, they show, have you seen the the interaction between Kata and Paolo at the free throw line later in the game? I did not see that. So Paolo says to Kata, you weren't supposed to make that three. And Kata said, you don't know me, bro. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I, I thought about it and I was like, is that right? Like, should should they, like, did the scouting report have Kata as a three-point shooter? I went, Jonathan, I found Kata's uh, G League stats for the Stockton Kings last year he attempted 0.13 a game and didn't hit a three so paolo did know you you just took the three when you were open and it was a great shot well, love it but how many like that's always my go-to when i'm playing with people for the first time like i try to like like i'll especially when i'm playing with young kids I go up to him like, bro, I'm old. Like, take it easy on me, you know. <laughs> or if somebody hits a three in my face, I'm like, bro, you weren't supposed to make that. Like, mm-hmm. what's like, what's going on here? It could have just been like that little kind of banter, like Paolo's just trying to joke around. And I mean, credit to Kata, like that's a great comeback. Like, you don't know me, bro. <laughs> that's an all-time line. Good for him. According to the scouting report, was definitely not supposed to make that shot either. No. When he took it, I'm like, there's no way this is going in. This game is over. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're going into overtime, but splashes it. But yeah, no. But the back and forth in this game was fun. Honestly, it was a great game, but it shouldn't have been. Like this is a game that yeah. if this happens in the regular season, we're we're not I happy. Mean, we don't consider this look, a fun game in the regular season. It I was don't a fun be the game guy to see this, but to say this. But how many times do we have to see the Magic have like a second half collapse? Hey, I'd be lying oh, if I said I didn't see. Times. I saw so many people on Twitter say stuff like. You know, they were just giving them a, a glimpse into the regular season, I guess. they Some like yeah. uh, Jesse Mermis <laughs> coached us into that. Shout out to him, you know, just getting us ready for the regular season. So I, it, it wouldn't have been classified as a fun game in the regular season by any means to have to go through something like that. But uh, that type of game and give up that huge lead. But G League standards, it was a fun game. That's not our actual roster. That's not the Kings actual roster. It was fun. It provided some really good moments. 
and you come out with the win. That was what I, I just like a sigh of relief when I got the update to the Magic won the game. I was like, oh my gosh, thank right. God. Like, if you're going to blow a huge lead like that, at least win the game so I have something to feel good about at the end. I would have been crushed. And that was the only summer league game that I truly have been invested in the result. I'm always invested in like the new guys and the guys that are on the actual roster, how they play. I had fully convinced myself, because it's been the case for a very long time, that I don't care about summer league results. But the Magic blew that lead, and I was like, you guys need to win this game. I don't care what you do. You bring, bring the whole squad that showed up to watch the game, put them in the pinstripes, take off all the bench warmers jerseys, and get them in the game, and let's win this basketball game. How cool is that? Like the, Literally, almost the entire team courtside, you had J.I., Gary Harris, Jalen Suggs, you had both the, the Wagner's, Franz, the the Franz brothers, the <laughs> Wagner brothers. Yikes. You had Chuma there. You had Mosley there. You had everybody there. Like like the it, whole it would team have been easier there. for you to say who didn't show up, and I really don't know who it who is. Who so. didn't show up? Mo wasn't there. Mo Bamba wasn't there. Uh-huh. Bull Bull was there. Yeah. It and feels like the whole team's yeah. out in Vegas. Wendell regardless. wasn't there. We've seen a good mix in that Houston between Houston and Sacramento games. Uh, right. Wendell was there the first game, but I don't yes. think he was there last I night. I think Saturday like a night. lot of the team has at least made an effort to be out there. So that's been cool to see. Um, I think we've gotten a, at least one appearance from everyone except Mo Bamba at this point. Mo wasn't out there, right, because he was signing that contract during the Houston game, right. probably. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm I'm not trying. I'm not saying anything bad about Mo. It's just we haven't seen him there. Like we know right. Mo is a great teammate. Let's not turn yeah. this into something that it's not. But. It's just really cool that like literally the entire squad came out for summer league. You know, we, right. we talk about this and it's kind of cliche at this point, but the culture here is different, and yeah. that's just kind of more evidence of that. That well, was really cool to see. Yeah, it was cool. They showed like you know Sacramento had a couple guys there. I know Sabonis was there and some other people that I can't remember. A lot of teams have a couple guys there. Or a few right, guys but there. then they Not shift over everyone there to the Magic side of things, and it's like the whole roster was there. So. Yeah, no, right. that was awesome. Really putting their money where their mouth is as far as like Jalen when our episode with him talked about like, no, this chemistry is real on this team. It's not yeah. just something that you talk about. And it's true. You know how many of these guys could be vacationing and just doing their own thing? And instead they're they're going to Vegas. Don't get me wrong. I know that they're having their fun in Vegas. But they're going to the games. They're showing face. Cole Anthony did a, a, a fun interview, I believe at halftime of that Kings game yesterday. And Mosley's been on, Weltman's been on. Weltman talked about the progress of J.I., saying that he's kind of the goal, obviously being very vague with us, but the goal is to get him back to where he was, you know, prior to his ACL and in, uh, in the bubble and just continue to rehab. I think rehab. he said the, the, the goal was to get him back to where he was before the right leg injury. Oh, okay. So that would the be one the on New Year's Day. Right. Which, like, to me is like. No, no, not not New Year's Day, the one that occurred like towards the end oh, of the season. Oh, uh, yes, you know, yes, where they the said, one that was oh, after he's had the hamstring injury. Is, yeah, yeah. so I'm like, well, I mean, you know, we're basically like three months away from opening night, so yeah. I don't want to start the conversation, uh, you know, whether or not we're going to see Ji opening night. I, if we don't see him opening night, that's would be incredibly disappointing and even more concerning. But hopefully, that's just all, you know, media. Right talk and he just doesn't want to put too much pressure on the kid but 
really, really hoping that we see J.I. opening night. And then, you know, we talk about how, you know, they blow this lead, how embarrassing it would have been for the number one overall pick to have an 18-point lead with five minutes left and to <laughs> lose that game when he was trying to make plays and then comes up arguably the, the two biggest plays of the game, the block in overtime, then the assist, you know, to win the game, draws the double. So just happy all the way around that we won that game. Yeah, no doubt. The last thing that I want to talk about, Luke, um, before we start talking about whether or not we got the pick right, is R.J. Hampton and, and the way that R.J. Hampton has performed throughout the first two summer league games. So R.J. Hampton is now going into his third year in the NBA. Usually we don't see third-year guys playing summer league, but R.J. just wanted to you know get back into live action, compete, get some reps with the young guys. So he volunteered to play summer league, which is very you know admirable and I'm glad that he did that but I didn't really think we were going to see as much RJ Hampton on the ball kind of as much as we have had mm. and it's not really what you would have expected out of a third year player to be struggling with the things that he's struggling with like in terms of like ball handling he's really not able to get to his spots he's mostly like forcing his way to his spots and then even if it's not really his spot, it's like he's getting stopped and then he's just throwing up an ill-advised attempt. So through two games, he's averaging 12 points, seven and a half rebounds, two assists, one steal, three turnovers, 40% from the floor. Um, he's only attempted a couple of threes. Uh, I think he's 0 for 2, so 0% from the three-point line, 66% from the free throw line, which is just still an kind of R.J. Hampton thing, although it's not a ton of attempts. Um, and he's been averaging 28 minutes a game. So... The first game, it was 11 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 of 11 from the floor, 0 of 2 from the 3-point line, and then Sacramento is 13 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 3 turnovers, 4 of 9 from the floor, uh, and 0 of 2 from the 3-point line. So with RJ, it's very much just the same thing that we have saw out of him the last couple of years with the ball in his hands. Doesn't really know what he's doing before he tries to do it. Tries to use his athleticism and his speed to get the spots. When he's cut off, he's just kind of throwing the ball up. And a lot of people feel like, you know, Paolo might have even had a better games if really the offense was run through him the entire time. And it kind of seems like RJ is just kind of impeding that at this point in his kind of being a detriment to the offense, like not really moving the ball when he should be all the time. Again, just trying to force things. It all comes down to like ability to break guys down off the dribble and his de his decision-making, which neither of those seem to have really improved. And that's a real concern for RJ in terms of like evolving as a ball handler. Yeah. I mean, listen, man, if you are in your essentially what third off season, here as a professional in the NBA and you're struggling like it's just and you're struggling in terms of your ball handling and your vision and really IQ like I have concerns and they're big concerns in terms of that I think if RJ and don't get me wrong I think this is his role right now we know this is vastly different than what it'll be in the regular season come regular season he will not be a focal point offensively He'll be able to just be a guy that just catches and shoots the ball. And I think that that's just really what needs to be said here. Because a lot of people, you know, I've seen everybody's obviously taking the the low-hanging fruit here and just like bashing RJ Hampton because they didn't maybe like him prior to the summer league anyway. But this 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 role is, is so different than what he's used to. 
I don't think that he is getting worse. I've saw that out there a few different times. Like he's getting worse. Like it's not helping him. He's getting, he's not getting worse by any means. He's just revealing what is the case already. And when it comes to, you know, he's still got going to have training camp. He's going to have preseason, all that stuff to get right. I'm not worried about him developing bad habits by any means. I just think that the magic are further solidifying that like RJ is just an off ball guy. He'll be there to catch and shoot those three balls when they come to him and he can get out there and try to play defensively. He was the essentially bringing the ball up the court a lot of the time. And each game, I think he had two assists and three turnovers. So I think that's all you really need to see when it comes to that. Summer league isn't the end all be all, but it sure does tell a lot. And we've learned what we kind of thought to be true about RJ Hampton in terms of that. I think he can be a fine, you know, ninth guy, maybe off the bench, eighth guy off the bench and just play his role, know his lane. I think he'll be willing to do that and good on him for wanting to come to summer league and do this. But just those on ball attempts, man, like it, it is really, really rough against the summer league competition. And like, to be fair, if there's any time during the NBA calendar where you're getting live action and you're going to like experiment with kind of doing things outside of your role, it's summer league. Understandably so. A lot of people just want to see the ball in the number one pick's hands. Point Paolo. Yeah. That's when this offense has been, has been thriving Papi the most Paolo. in Summer League. Point Papi Paolo. <laughs> we are trademarking that. Uh, just kidding. Kevin uh, is cringing listening to this right now, by the way. Uh, but, um, you know, RJ, as long as he, when it comes to the regular season, embraces the 3 and D role, yeah. he's going to be just fine. But that needs to, that's, needs to be RJ Hampton, like, for the right. rest of his career. Yes. He just needs to embrace that. Like, I do think like the, the handle isn't so broken that he can never put it on the floor, but what he needs to be, if it, if it comes to that, it needs to be like attacking hard closeouts because you have become such a good three point shooter and he's got the athleticism to like raise up and finish over yeah. guys. So I'm not saying that he should never put the ball on the floor again, but he should definitely not be bringing it up or nothing else in summer league from RJ Hampton. He should not be bringing the ball up. He should not be initiating the offense. Yeah, you know, stand at the wing, you know, pop out to the to you know uh, uh, above the break, sit in the corner, make a correct catch cut, the ball, shoot the three, make a cut, pump fake, two dribbles at the rim, and jam on somebody. That's all You're we need. More than capable of doing that. We need R.J. Hampton to get in the lab with Franz Wagner and Caleb Houston, and just say, "Hey guys, teach me." I, see, the thing about that is, I don't think you can teach that, which is what makes those guys special. Right. Well, I mean, their instincts, right? At the end of the day, like their instincts on when to instinctively make those cuts at what times it's strategy. And I, I just, I hope that he can do that because if he can develop an off ball game, he becomes irreplaceable at that point. Right. Like in terms of being that eighth guy off the bench, you know, eighth guy, you know, third off the bench, whatever it might be. I think that he can continue to develop his role. Development is not over for RJ Hampton. So don't hear this and hear us say that it's over. But as far as his role, and I think he would maybe tell you this now, like he, he would rather be the guy that's off ball, you know, hitting threes, making the right cuts. I hope, I don't know that he would tell you that, but I listen, he should be thinking that he, he should be after those first two games against summer league competition. That's just the case right now. Like it, that's the case. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, but we've talked about this. Like, he still has the ability to thrive in transition, still has room to grow as a defender. Like, he can be a very, very good role player in the league, 
but you know, a couple of years ago when he was like the fifth rated you know, player in his draft class, and you know, had dreams of being like a starting you know guard in the NBA, I I just don't see that from him right now. But that that doesn't mean that he can't be a good player. He just really needs to embrace this role that he did a pretty good job of last year when he accepted that. You know, shot yeah. close to forty percent from the three, you know, for most of the season. So, yep. uh, yeah, I just I've seen everything that I need to see from RJ in in terms of like a offensive initiator, you know, uh, in this this summer league. Yep. The last conversation that I want to have, Luke, before we go ahead and and just kind of look ahead to some of the the games that the Magic will be playing this week, um, is going to be our way too early edition of Did we get the pick right? Way too and early. This, way too early, but. It's become a conversation, and yep. people you know, were panicking that the Magic had screwed up the pick before Paolo even laced up his sneakers for the Orlando Magic. So I'm going to just take a look at really the guys in the top five. So Paolo, Chet Jabari, Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey. I'm just going to go through their averages so far with a, a couple of disclaimers for a couple of these guys. Um, but then we can just, from there, you can open up to whether or not you got the, the pick right, which I think we both know the answer to this question. But we'll have the conversation anyway. So looking at Paolo in two games, averaging 20 points, five rebounds, six assists, two and a half steals, one block, five turnovers, four and a half fouls. I'm going through turnovers and fouls because as a rookie, decision making is a big part of that and improving. So I am covering that, even though we don't usually talk too much about turnovers and fouls. Uh, He's averaging 40% from the four, 50% from the three point line, 80% from the free throw line in 30 minutes. Chet Holmgren, now I'm just going off of his Vegas Summer League games. Obviously, we all know he had the incredible debut. Um, but in the one Vegas Summer League game that he's played so far, uh, 12 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 4 blocks, 4 turnovers, 1 foul, 30% from the floor, 0% from the 3-point line in 28 minutes. Jabari, 11 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 2.5 two steals, 1.5 blocks, 2.5 turnovers, 4.5 fouls, 14% from the floor, 20% from the three-point line, 50% from the free-throw line in 31 minutes. Keegan Murray, 21.5 points, 5.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, a half steal, 3.5 turnovers, 4.5 fouls, 44% from the floor, 40% from three, 78% from the free-throw line in 35 minutes. And then Jaden Ivey, these are skewed a little bit. He had a really good first game, left the second game early last night after he tweaked his ankle, but 18.8 points, three rebounds, four assists, two and a half turnovers, two and a half fouls, 50% from the floor, 50% from the three-point line, 100% from the free throw line in 18 and a half minutes. In 18 and a half minutes, huh? 18 and a half minutes. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I think, listen... Numbers for chat. Let me double check this. You go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and double check those uh, yeah, yeah. Jaden Ivey stats because they, they seem a little suspect now that I'm reading these back. Right. Well, what I'll say is that Chet's, you know, one game in summer league in Vegas is absolutely not the best game he's had. It was obviously that first game in Salt Lake. I don't remember. 15 and a half points in 18.8 minutes. For Jaden Ivey. For Jaden Ivey. Gotcha. Still very good. I don't remember what Chet's numbers were that second game. In Salt Lake, it was like eleven points. Um, eleven points. I think he had close to ten rebounds, but he was like three of eleven from the floor, and I think it was like one of four from the three point line. But that was in Utah, right? I think the closest. I think, like naturally, I want to say like it's it, it's like Chet Palo, but obviously, like in terms of summer league performances, it's more like. 
Paolo, Keegan, and Jaden Ivey at this point, um, which I don't necessarily think is true by any means. That's a whole summer league thing. But I'm I'm fully comfortable, obviously, with this pick. I we said it. We would trust the front office. This is why, folks, because I'm probably picking J- I'm picking Jabari Smith Jr. on draft night, and I'm cringing right now watching him play in summer league as a result. Now, I don't think that this is the you know this is definitely not the de facto moment for Jabari Smith Jr. We're not going to be talking about his summer league performances for the rest of time and in infamy. Like, not the case at all. But are there key indicators? Yeah, there's some red flags when it comes to Jabari, but. It's like we said, Jonathan, if this front office doesn't think Jabari can seriously become a guy that can create for himself off the dribble, you know, do those things and improve in those areas as time goes on in his career, then he's not the pick. But as far as Jabari goes, and we heard that he shot the ball very well from three in his workout with the Magic, I mean, clearly that was the case. Like they, they, they looked at him for whatever that extended amount of time sure we could talk about that eventually Jonathan too is like that workout that went long I, I guess it meant something bad but also we don't know because like we heard T Ross said that he shot the ball really well it could just be that Paolo just continued to blow them away in those interviews so I have well, no reportedly, idea reportedly Chet Holmgren cut his workout short for whatever reason we heard that you know he had a non-COVID related illness so maybe he just wasn't feeling well in the middle of the workout and then as we know Paolo never worked out for the magic. Right. So I, I, I don't think I'll ever read that deep into like, yeah, the it's, hard workout it's hard to, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard because yeah, nobody else like Jabari Smith jr. Did everything. We talked about that as yeah. well. I called him a perfect little angel on this podcast and I still believe it's the truth. He, he went step by step, did everything this franchise asked him to. And then unfortunately Paolo, like for him, unfortunately like Paolo was the guy and this is why you and me, and that's not to say the magic misled Jabari Smith, which I've also seen out there, which is just false. No, yeah, whatever. And end of the day, dude, it's a business. But these guys handle player relationships so well that I would be very surprised if that is the case. Yeah. Exactly. So, and Paolo didn't even know he was getting picked. So it's not like they were telling Paolo this whole time and telling Jabari like the same thing. That's stupid. Um, but yeah, so absolutely, this is this is feels like the right pick. I'm content with it. We've seen great things out of Paolo already, things that he has surprised us with, you know, things that even like maybe the Paolo truthers like had no idea, like to what extent he could do these things. And he's just continued to prove that he can do it. I've seen this from a lot of like NBA personalities that were there at Summer League, and they've all just said like Paolo is massive. Like Paolo is every bit of 6'10", 250, and he's bigger than you even think he is when you see him. Yeah. So... I, I saw someone say, Jonathan, a reporter, I, I don't know that it was Mark Spears, even though Mark Spears has praised Paolo so far, but somebody that was kind of in the upper echelon of reporters said, in the same way that Zion dominated Summer League is what Paolo is doing at Summer League so far. So in terms of just imposing his will, doing those things correctly, standing out above the crowd, Paolo is already doing those things. So I, I do see that, and I'm like, okay, I'm not just being biased. Like he does look incredible. So it is what it is. It's summer league, baby, but we're having fun. Yeah, I'm looking through Twitter. I just searched the keywords Paolo and Zion. And I'm not seeing anybody uh, reputable come up just right now. But you know, with the it was with there. The Twitter Trust. search, you you never. 
I be, no, I believe you. I was just trying to see if I could find out uh, who that was for us, and uh, I'm not seeing that right now. I believe you. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I do. Oh. I, I trust. I trust you, Luke. Don't worry. Okay. No, I trust you. All right. I'm sure you're looking for it now, and you're going to find it. I just, in the two <sighs> seconds that I searched for it, I, I, I didn't see it. But, yeah, I, I'm right there with you in the same vein. Like, right now, even I've heard uh, our, our good friends on the Blue Wire Network over at the Uncontested, they did a podcast last night after, you know, they sat and watched a few of the those games last night. Um, they're actually in Vegas. Um they said right now, like Paolo has looked the best out uh, of you know it everybody was, in the everybody in the draft class. I found it, baby. It was Mark Spears. Okay, I believe you. And it wasn't the it was the Paolo thing that threw you off because I I did that first and then I typed in Bancaro. So he said Bancaro okay. is bullying the summer league in the same way Zion did. Tweeted that a day ago. Right. So love to see it. Well, Incredible. I I yes, absolutely. I'm on board, obviously, with this pick, and uh, you know have been so fun stuff. Yeah, I, I just also think that like the conversation is just nowhere near being over. No. Um, what I am really confident in saying, I, I, I'm not like ready to say like, oh, for now and just like forever into the future and for the rest of time, Paolo is the best player in this draft class. What I am confident in saying is that we didn't screw up the pick by picking Paolo. Like no. if Had we taken Jabari Smith Jr. and he looked the way that he's looked so far, boy, would I be sweating. And I know we don't <laughs> kind of overreact to summer league, when I went through the stats and I saw 14% from the floor, I was like, my goodness, you have to shoot the ball very poorly to shoot 14% from the floor. Yeah. So like you said, there's still plenty of time. I think there's probably a part of Jabari that's feeling added pressure to prove that. Cause like he, he almost ended up as like the consolation pick yeah. for the Rockets because you know, they wanted Paolo so badly and he thought he was going number one. So he probably feels that pressure to like live up and like prove that he's the number one pick. Yeah. And so much of shooting is like the like your mental state and your confidence. Yeah. And if he's struggling at all with that at this moment, I totally get that. Um, but he just kind of needs to find that confidence well, and that and that rhythm again, I think. And what I'll leave us with is here is like that's what you hear about shooting, right? Like when people are struggling, I know like if I was like struggling shooting the ball in high school, whatever, like coach would just be like, like you're you're a good shooter, like don't think. Just shoot. And that's sort of the thing. That's like why your mentality does play into it. If you are somebody like Jabari Smith Jr., who is supposed to be just an incredible talent from the three-point line, you just can't think. Like, you just got to shoot the ball. And Jabari knows that. But like you said, there probably are some mind games. There's mind games for all these guys. It's just how they react to it. It's kind of like Paolo's, uh, Paolo's tattoo that he has that says, No pressure. K-N-O-W. And then highlighted the N-O. No pressure. Even when he knows there is pressure. Mm, that's a good one. I He's like an that. Alpha. alpha. I love him. Mm-hmm. I love him. Last little tidbit about that. So, um, there's this guy. He's a he's a pastor. Um, he's made a couple of like documentaries. His name is Ryan Leak. I think I've showed you the video before. Um, basically, he made a video around like what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail. Mm-hmm. And he decided that he was just going to work out for months and months and months and go have a tryout with an NBA team. I think he played like Division two basketball. But he worked out like hours and hours a day, like hundreds of shots that he would get up. He ended up having a workout with the Suns when Jeff Hornacek was the head coach there. Obviously, he didn't make the team. But he said when it comes to shot making as a professional, you have to kill the part of you inside of you that gets happy when you make a shot and gets down when you miss a shot. 
You just have to get rid of that part of your brain mm-hmm. that reacts to a make or a miss. It's just all about the muscle memory and the repetition. And that's how you know you kind of gain the, the confidence as a shooter. So Jabari right now just has to kill that part of him that is getting down whenever he misses a shot. Maybe it's not a confidence thing. Maybe he's just going to be trash. I don't <laughs> think that's the case. But uh, yeah, it's way too early to have this conversation. I'm confident in saying that the Magic didn't screw up the pick with Paolo. But the early returns are pretty good. I think we can agree on that. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Looking ahead to this week, Luke, uh, Monday when you all are listening to this, the Magic are playing the Oklahoma City Thunder at 9 o'clock. I think that game, is that game on ESPN? It's one versus two. It's got to be on ESPN. And then on Thursday, the Magic are playing the New York Knicks, 7.30 Eastern time. That game is going to be on NBA TV. So, I mean, let's talk OKC on Monday. You know, tonight when our... You know, listeners are listening to this. It's one versus two. I, I don't think there's anything more exciting than that when it comes to summer league. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's uh, I think it's a W if Paolo plays. So I'm I'm on board with the with the the win there for against OKC. I hope Chet and Paolo both play. We'll see. Honestly, if if Paolo plays both of these next couple of games, I think we all expect him to get shut down after if he mm-hmm. is even good to go for this game, he might get shut down because of the ankle thing. But again, it's one versus two on ESPN. You got to find a way to play that game. In my opinion, the magic win that game. You know, they have a chance to, even without Paolo, if they get a win over the New York Knicks who don't really have any, you know, superstars. On Quentin their, Grimes. They got Quentin Grimes and who's been playing really well. They got Jericho Sims, but you know, let's see what uh you know Caleb Houston and Admiral Schofield and those boys can get done potentially against the Knicks. If they win that game, you know the Magic are potentially you know in in line to play for like the summer league championship. Yeah, so I we'll think kind of see what happens with that. Get those boys some rings. I think if Paolo doesn't uh, if Paolo doesn't play against the Knicks, I think the Knicks win that game. I I just I don't know. The rest of the roster just feels kind of like it drops off for the Magic and. Is what it is. I've seen stranger things happen in summer league. Of course, I mean Ignis Brezdakis dropped thirty once. So that's true. That's true. Anything can happen when you really think about it. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna say that the uh, I'm gonna say the Magic go one and one this week. I'm gonna say they beat OKC I'm go and lose the and next. I like it. I'm gonna go two and zero. Oh. Pick up two wins and and you know maybe maybe who knows this if we make it to the the G League summer you know summer not the G League oh I mean, it basically is the G League yeah the summer league championship does Paolo come back for the championship no game? shot I hope not absolutely not unfortunately I hope not I did That'd see something great. Jonathan that said that oh they're handing out rings and it was something about like CP3 putting in his application to play in the oh, summer league because they're giving no. out rings <laughs> oh man that's bad. Poor CP3. Mm. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. We are just going to come back, record another episode for you guys. It's going to come out on Thursday. Uh, We're really only going to have the one game, the OKC game, to cover. I'm sure we'll have plenty to cover from that game. Super exciting. Uh, And we'll be back if there's any other magic news, if somebody gets traded or anything crazy happens, of course. But for this week, I think that's going to do it for us, Luke. For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys have been listening to The Six Man Show. We will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. 
We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.